This episode of Breaking Banks is brought to you by FIS. From local shops to global banks, FIS is evolving commerce and helping businesses and banks transform in the digital world. FIS moves $8.1 trillion annually, serves 90% of the world's largest private equity firms, 60% of the world's largest merchants, and 90% of the world's most innovative banks. Welcome to Breaking Banks, the number one global fintech radio show and podcast. I'm Brett King. And I'm Jason Henricks. Every week since 2013, we explore the personalities, startups, innovators, and industry players driving disruption in financial services. From incumbents to unicorns, and from cutting-edge technology to the people using it to help create a more innovative, inclusive, and healthy financial future. I'm J.P. Nichols, and this is Breaking Banks. Today on Breaking Banks, we go to space, and we go to space with Sultan Meji, the first ever Chief Innovation Officer for the FDIC. Sultan knows the challenges of innovation in banking firsthand is co-founder of Neocova, a fintech providing secure, cloud-native, artificial intelligence-based software for community banks. Having known Sultan for many years, we went straight at it, debating regulation, innovation, inclusion, who's culpable for the slow pace of change, and even the FDIC's plans to regulate a branch on Mars. Okay, that last part was theoretical to prove a point, but we still talked about the FDIC having its very own Space Force. So, Sultan, you've been in the role now just over four months, and I'm curious, when you really took it on and you were coming in and you were coming from the entrepreneurial side, you know, let's just be frank, that most people within financial services, whether it be big banks or the fintech startups, when they talk about the challenges to be overcome, you know, it, there's one of two places they point is either the legacy technology, but more often than not, the challenge of regulation, right? Not necessarily regulators, but regulation. And I'm curious, when you came to the job, what did you see as the problem to be solved that you said, ah, this is what I need to go attack first? Well, first off, Jason, thanks for having me. It's always great to uh, to hear your dulcet tones. You're the you're the Jack Spear of the fintech community in, in your own way. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I my joke to your answer is is something to the effect of it's not one problem. It's all the problems. Right. You know, there, there are a myriad of challenges across this sector is, is the glib answer. But the fact is, with Chairman McWilliams, we had this amazing opportunity, uh, she and I did, to build a very specific vision about what we wanted to accomplish with this office. And it's really straightforward. You know, we both have a degree of, of, of immigrant or refugee background. For her, it was directly when she came from the former Yugoslavia. And for me, my, my father is a refugee from Africa. And the anchor for both of us as we landed here in the United States was the American banking system. And if you extrapolate back, you look at the 20th century and you look at how the species operated. It's on the back of the American banking system. And we both look to the fall of the coming century as being one where not only do we need to continue to do that, but we need to find new ways to expand that. And we want to bring innovation into the banking system, not just into the banks, but into the regulatory community and the rest of the stakeholders. And so for us, that's the true north. 
is to ensure that we are bringing the best and brightest of American innovation into this amazingly important part of our universe, and then specifically targeting four areas. The first area is around inclusion. You know, we do a lot of analysis of how households are banked, how many households aren't banked. We have this macro level program called the Get Banked Initiative, which I encourage everyone listening to this to look at. It's an amazing program designed to solve the challenges of millions of households and tens of millions of Americans not having access to the right banking that actually is meaningful and, and useful for them. And so on inclusion, we have a lot of different activities coming. I'm sure we'll talk about those. The second one is around resilience. In the face of things like the Microsoft and SolarWinds hacks, you hear about ransomware as a service. We have new and interesting issues around climate. You know, back in the, back a couple months ago, a data center in Texas was taken offline and a bunch of banks went offline because of a fundamentally a climate issue. There are all these pressures against our banking systems, normal day-to-day -day operations. And so with resilience, we really do need to put a lot more energy into that. And it's not just cyber, but it's broader than that. Yep. The third is around amplification. Sometimes you hear people talk about the friction in the banking system, whether it's legacy technology or operating processes that make sense if you were dealing with binders and, and piles of paper, but don't make sense in a world where you're using tap to pay and, and other mobile payment infrastructures. There is a lot of amplification. We have an amazing group of people here at FDIC. I am on a daily basis impressed by not just their skills, but their sense of mission in terms of taking care of, of this system and, and the average American. But the fact is, there are a lot of people who will spend 45 minutes of every hour whacking away at a keyboard and then 15 minutes actually being the experts that they are. And then you go into the banks, and Jason, you know this very well. You've seen it firsthand, the amount of manual frictioned activities that exist in the banking system that don't need to be there. And so we really need to do something about that. When you go from tens of transactions to hundreds or thousands of transactions, you can't just throw people at problems anymore. You have to throw technology at it. And then finally, looking out over the coming years, artificial intelligence is here. Digital assets is, is here. Yeah. Quantum computing is coming. You know, new products and services are coming. The way we buy and sell things is evolving. And it's not that it's going to wipe out the old way of doing things, but it will augment it. And we need to be thinking about how to protect that future so that we in the United States continue to have access to not only the best banking products and services, but at the best prices and at a faster pace of innovation than we've seen historically. One of the things I want to pull out and talk a little bit more about, right, is this idea of we can't throw bodies at it. We need to throw technology. But technology itself, while it can, you know, make some of this happen, you know, a faster clip through automation, right? There's another part of it around, you know, invention, if you will. One of the other challenges we have is we never really tend to take regulation out. Right, it just piles up and piles up. Even you know, think of it like code. You know, the cost of carrying you know old code versus rewriting to modernize you know can be the death knell for you know startups, and it, it can be the death knell for you know innovation you know in the space when it's you know too gummed up. Talk about you know from a philosophical you know approach to what do we need to do right size more than just automate? How do we actually begin to change the philosophy? What, what's your view there as an innovator? 
Well, you know, it's funny. When I landed, there was a joke that my title wasn't going to be innovation-oriented, but disruption-oriented. And so I want to I want to throw a very disruptive comment at that, but uh, but I'll save that for uh, for the after dark version of this podcast at the end. Um, <laughs> Come on, it's after dark somewhere. <laughs> uh, not not here in DC. It's it's crazy hot today too. It's weird. Um, the the biggest thing that I think we need to remember is the regulatory system doesn't exist to tell people not to do things. It exists to ensure that things are being done in ways that don't introduce too much risk into the system. And I would make the case that there is more risk in the system today than there was five years ago, 10 years ago, 50 years ago. And so as we think about regulation and policy around regulation in the 21st century, it will have to evolve. And I think you make the case, you know, quite correctly comparing it to code. But there is a lot of regulation out there that just needs to be tweaked. You know, in my first couple of weeks here, I was taking pen to paper and tweaking some some very specific interagency uh, regulation around uh, around cybersecurity, which I think comes out in August. I'm really excited for that to come out because it's really the first thing that we've started to take more modern approaches to the policy work around that. Um, you know, and, and get rid of, of things that don't make sense. You know, you don't want, I always use a car metaphor for this, right? You don't want to write a regulation for a carburetor and then try to apply it to a fuel injector. I'm a car guy. So that's a, you know, that's a, that's a metaphor that works. I like, I'm going to borrow that metaphor. I like that one. Awesome. So, you know, and you know, the way you build a fuel injector is totally different than how you build a carburetor. You know, carburetor is basically four pieces of metal welded together in a certain way. A fuel injector is completely not that, right? And so we obviously are going to have to go back and, and tweak some stuff. And uh, and that's an ongoing process. I mean, that happens on a daily basis here. But it, um, it, let's talk about the tweak, right, in the system, because that's one of the challenges that we don't often see a lot of tweaking, right? It, it can be hard to tweak. You know, pieces of this. And I think you guys have launched an essential program there and having office hours. It seems like that seems to be an important input that gives you the data to know what needs to actually you know, be adjusted. Well, just I want to thank you for highlighting that as, a, as a, one of the things we're doing to bring a little more transparency into some of these things and to ensure that us, those of us in the regulatory community continue to hear the awesome stuff happening in the market so that we can get a little proactive about this kind of stuff. I hate it when something lands on a regulator's desk and it's the first time they've ever heard about it. You know, and I'll highlight quantum computing is something that like, I can't imagine many bankers listening to this have a plan to implement quantum computing today. But by 2024 or 2025, I'm assuming they will. And yep. so we have to get in front of that, right? And office hours is an example of that. I've put uh, my email address in my social media uh, profiles, you know, innovation at FDIC.gov. That hits my inbox. And we are very open to hearing for, from anyone about anything. Um, you know, we have a uh, RFI on artificial intelligence that's just closing here that was interagency. We have another one uh, that I put out on, on digital assets, uh, gosh, a month or so ago that's closing in the not too distant future. And you'll notice uh, that as we continue to do these things, we're looking to have direct engagements. You know, I've done, I think I've done probably 40 office hours since we announced we were doing them. Um, you know, I did one, I did eight in one day. That was a, that was a long day. I'll tell you. Yeah. Um, but I learned a tremendous amount and that data flowed right into the rest of the organization. And it touched a bunch of different things from consumer protection to examinations, to research, to operating processes for our technology org and keep building in that transparency, building in that information so that we can keep 
closer up to date with what's going on in the market. So we understand where it's where our priority should be and where we should be looking at, at, at putting a red pen to something when we need to. Um, you know, there are thousands and thousands, if not millions of pages of regulation out there. And some of it goes back decades before, you know, a lot of the technologies, a lot of the models we're talking about existed. And in some cases they were written incredibly well and they, and they, and they stay fresh very well because they were thoughtfully written by people who were thinking more strategically about what's going on. In other cases, there's other stuff where we, we have some work to do. So one of the challenges can be that the part that iterates more quickly tends to be guidance that can come from the FDIC, right? Easier to change than uh, legislating where it needs to go. But the other problem- That's potentially a massive understatement. (laughs) Potentially. I'm willing to stand by that that statement. (laughs) Prove me wrong. Um, The guidance itself, you know, while quicker can be hard to apply- because it doesn't drill all the way down. And one of the complaints we often hear from banks and fintechs is it's being applied differently. So how do we actually do the kind of rapid change that you're talking about and that the market really needs, but also maintain a level of consistency you know, around message and around you know, what does the exam and what does the enforcement look like? You know, it's a great question. And it's one of those things where, you know, regulation is is one tool in the toolbox. And for, for, for us in the market, I, I have always said that you don't want to just, you know, you don't want to pick, a ha- pick up a hammer every time you need a tool in your toolbox. Sometimes you pick up a screwdriver, sometimes you pick up a, a socket wrench, whatever, right? And around getting normalization, especially around high iteration technologies, I'm not sure regulation is the right path. I think you can look at something like standard setting. So last year, uh, FDIC put out an RFI on a standard setting organization and some ideas around what we might do. We got incredible feedback. Um, I think it closed a month or two before I even started and we were still collating and, and reading responses and, and looking at other activities. And I'm really and I'm excited for, for us to move forward on that because wouldn't it be great instead of regulating, you must have API X or data model Y or something like that that has some age to it because it's a, it's tied to a specific technology like a relational database or you know XML or whatever. But instead, we get to a place where there are standards. And as long as everybody conforms to the standards, then those standards can stay fresh at the pace of technical innovation. And we can just pay attention to the standards and make sure the standards are, you know, kind of aimed in the right direction and, and participate as an equal state stakeholder. I'm really excited for more to come out on that. Sadly, I don't have a lot to talk about beyond what I just said around that. But I would I would say don't just think about uh, regulation or legislation as, as solutions to some of these activities. Think about standards, think about public-private partnerships, and look at places where that's been successful previously. I mean, the dawn of the internet, we spent a lot of time doing public-private partnership and standard-setting work, mm. and it led to incredible pace of innovation in areas where, you know, historically, if you just let the, the government kind of run the government process, it would have taken five or six years, and instead you, you get activity in five or six months. Since we focus on how banking and finance are transforming, I'd like to talk to you about three letters, F-I-S. From local shops to global banks, FIS is evolving commerce and helping businesses and banks transform in a digital world. 
FIS moves $8.1 trillion annually. It serves over 90% of the world's largest private equity firms, 60% of the world's largest merchants, and 90% of the world's most innovative banks. They have the unmatched expertise needed to advance your business. Want to find out more? Head to fisglobal.com slash realnet. That's F-I-S-G-L-O-B-A-L dot com slash realnet. We all want to know we have enough to get to where we want to go. Either have enough energy to run a marathon or you're on the side of the road wheezing. How about your startup? Does it have enough cloud computing power to win and handle the really big customers? You might think stable, enterprise-ready cloud infrastructure like Oracle's is out of reach for your new company. But Oracle for Startups was made just for you. Oracle wants to help you land those big customers, so they're offering preferred pricing on enterprise cloud for startups. Free cloud credits and 70% off their cloud services. And with multi-cloud support and no vendor lock-in, you can build it out any way you want. Oracle for Startups won't leave you wheezing on the side of the road. They'll give you enough power to scale and land your dream customers and win the race. Visit oracle.com slash goto slash breaking banks. That's oracle.com slash goto slash breaking banks. So what else, you said, these are some of the areas that aren't talked about enough. What else did you uncover, uh, you know, within the FDIC, both as initiatives and other tools that we need to be amplifying to the rest of the market in terms of, you know, where organizationally the chairman, she's taking, you know, you know, us as an industry, but leading from the front with changes to the agency and the different initiatives. Yeah, I mean, there are so many interesting ones. And I just I'm such a fan of the chairman that it, it, you, you've given me kind of like, what's the best of the best I get to talk about. So let me talk about a couple. So the first is, she and I, even before my first day, zeroed in on really wanting to move the needle on inclusion both at the individual level as well as at the small business level, especially women and minority-owned businesses. And so we've announced a tech sprint around inclusion, specifically looking at the last mile, and we're incredibly excited for registration to open up very shortly for that and, and, and and that program to go. That's going to be awesome because that's going to be the first time that what we've said to the industry is, here, listen, bring in your best ideas and let's figure out what we can do about that. We did uh, a little bit of work around this, around uh, supervision modernization and our rapid phase prototyping program where about 30 organizations, you know, raised their hand to, to potential to show off a couple of great ideas. Again, really cool stuff with that we're, we're going to start talking about here in the near future. The, so, you know, what we've done is basically say, listen to the market especially as it relates to inclusion, you know, show us your best, you know, and, and we're being very open and very broad about who we want to participate. It can be a community group. It can be a, you know, it can be a baseball team. It can be a, a bank. It can be a FinTech. It can be some combination of all of the above. There's a lot of great innovation in the market and we really want to foster it and embrace it and cheerlead it so that people understand that innovation isn't just a risk management program. It is also an opportunity to grow their balance sheets and enhance their customers, et cetera, et cetera. So that's one that I get very excited about. The second I get excited about is our minority depository uh, institution activities. And so we've announced that we're going to be launching an MDI fund 
this is going to be really exciting. We've got some cool stuff coming on that here in the next month or so. We've got a, a couple of anchor investors. Now, obviously, we can't run a fund. We can't manage a fund, but we can certainly make sure that a really interesting fund that, uh, that adds capital to this very critical component of the banking sector gets gets done. And we're very excited to announce that. And that's going to be a kind of a first of its kind thing. Who would have thought a federal regulatory agency would foster the creation of a fund? To, to insert more capital into into a specific type of uh, type of institution, and then the third is this fundamental notion that American innovation is the best thing for the American economy and for this industry, and that there are a lot of institutions that are doing some amazing innovative work. We want to make sure that they do it in a safe and sound manner, that they they manage innovation in a mature way, but that we normalize the fact that that change is happening and will continue to happen. And that a you know the thing we don't want is there to be a class of banks in this country that are what we call digital have-nots because they're trapped by legacy technology or they just don't have that capability. We want to remove that fear. We want to remove that. You know, we've heard, uh, I've heard from a number of banks that are like, well, when are you going to allow us to use AI? And I'm so, and, and I respond with, when have we ever said you're not allowed to use AI? Right? Hmm. You'd have to do it in a mature and thoughtful way. And that's one of the great things about our regulatory system. We're incredibly open about it. If you have an idea, you come to us. We want to hear it because we know that when the American banking system prospers, our nation prospers, and globally, we prosper even more. Well, the prosper, one of the other challenges you know, to call out is you know, often it's the incumbents that are scared of the change because they like that they are part of you know that segment that is prospering right now. And you know, others beginning to prosper often can feel like losing, I forget who would uh, came up with that quote, but it was very insightful, something I read last year. And so how do we get the existing incumbent banks comfortable with this kind of change? And then the idea that, you know, we all prosper when we help others prosper. Well, I mean, Jason, you and I do it every every day of our lives, right? You you have your megaphone, you, you make this case, and, and we're trying to do the same thing. I think the, the chairman, in, in bringing this to the forefront has done a fantastic job. I mean, you don't bring a guy like me into a role like this if you're not looking at making change, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't position it in this way where you make that case. And I am very happy to spend a lot of my time having one-on-one -on -one conversations with bankers who are, to one degree or another, afraid of this, and to one degree or another, not sure what they need to do next. And there are many opportunities, whether it's talking to us or other regulatory agencies, to talking to groups of banks, such as the one that you're associated with, and others that allow us as, a, as an industry to remove some of that fear. You know, we're seeing a great uh, next generation of leadership beginning to emerge amongst a number of these institutions, you know, guys closer in age to you and me, Jason, than, you know, than, than we've seen previously. And uh, I know you and I aren't exactly spring chickens, but, you know, we're, we're, we're not, you know, we're not retiring anytime soon. And, uh, and it's great to see that. So there's a cultural evolution happening as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the new kind of fintech crowd and, you know, and calling, you know, I hear this all the time. Oh, you're the OG. And like, how can I be the old guy? I'm like, I'm not old yet. And my dear friend, Lindsay Davis, you know, wrapping her arm around me virtually and saying, sadly, you are. Sadly, you are. Um, so I guess I, 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 
I, uh, I very sadly, you know, begin a number of my speeches by saying, you know, I got my first paying job in technology in June of 1991, which is 30 years. So that, that, that makes me feel remarkably old. <laughs> so for anyone listening, whether incumbent fintechs, an innovator from overseas looking to enter the U.S., what do you think the next five years looks like in our evolution as these things are beginning to take place? The programs are changing. You know, we, we've gone from this monumental approach of, hey, let's wait until something really bad happens, you know, then go to yeah. the monumental approach regulation into this proactive and iterative, you know, yeah. type. What does that mean, you know, over the next, I don't know, you pick your time horizon, but longer than a year, but shorter than a decade. Oh shoot! I was gonna. I hoped you had said twelve years because then I could say, well, that would be the hundredth anniversary of the FDIC in twenty thirty-three. Okay, um, twelve years. So, what what does it look like for the centennial? Yeah. So I I talk about this in in two ways, and and so the first way is talking about augmentation. Right, branches will continue to exist, but more opportunities for banking services will continue to evolve. And there'll be some institutions that look exactly like they did in 1985, you know, branch based, you know, very human to human kind of interactions. But then you'll have, you know, banks that are far down the other the other side of the digital spectrum, you know, not just digital only, but maybe mobile only or maybe, um, you know, maybe in some sort of metaverse only environment. Right. And the fact that I get to talk about metaverse banking or space based banking now that there are crypto nodes in orbit, you know, that that just I feel like I'm in a William Gibson book or something. It's fantastic. Um, but you'll see that entire spectrum. And in that spectrum, in that federated environment, we have such protection. We have such opportunity. I am very excited to be in a place when no matter who you are as an American, no matter if you care about your own personal finances or you have a small business or you're doing a side hustle or you're an NFT dealer or whatever, you can, at the touch of your fingerprints, have the broadest possible options in terms of banking products and services that are backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government, as they should be, and have the ability to allow you as an individual the freedom and compelling opportunity to do whatever you want. You heard so it that here first, people. Yeah. Sultan has announced Space Force is being launched by the FDIC, a fleet of examiners coming to a planet near you. <laughs> so so it's actually hilarious, Jason. Um, you know, I made this, I made a joke in a speech a while ago that Elon Musk was gonna put a bank on Mars. And one of our fairly sen senior examiners, uh, Ping, ping me uh, on this like town hall meeting and said, what's the per diem we would get to go to Mars? And, uh, and I, watched our, I watched our COO just get this look on his face like, you had to mention this here. Like, come on, like, what's the, what would be the per diem of, of examining a bank on Mars? That's, that's well, one of the questions. I mean, given the length of the trip, you go once for the exam and hope it doesn't take too long. Well, it's, yeah, you go once every two years and you're there for 10 days. So, you know, 18 or $19 billion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, how are you working with your counterparts? You know, I had the pleasure of seeing you on stage with you know, folks from the OCC and CFPB. 
and even you know some SEC. You know, that is somewhere every agency now finally has an office of innovation. What does that collaboration look like? That is also a, a new stance. You know, um, speaking at the FDIC conference in 2019, the fact that you, you could see the OCC and the FDIC co-hosting something, you know, it was a phenomenal cultural change, you know, in approach. Yeah, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of that. I, I love that we are, um, we are moving down a variety of these different activities, whether it's the innovation offices directly working together or just the agencies working together. You know, the, the thing that I love about being a, an employee of our, our nation's government is we have so many amazing people in so many different places and we're all on the same mission. Now we might have different statutory authorities or, you know, different legislative structures we operate inside of, but, you know, we work on a daily basis with, uh, with, uh, our, our peer entities at the other FIREA agencies. And I, you know, I'm, we're blowing up each other's phones all the time. Right before I got on this podcast, I was talking to, uh, to someone at one of the other agencies. And it's not just the, the regulatory agencies. You know, we spend a lot of time looking at how to be efficient stewards of, our, of, our, of the resources that we have. And so we look at things that other agencies are doing, you know, whether or not that's, you know, in cyber areas with parts of the intelligence community and, and Homeland Security or DOD. Or it's looking at how to efficiently, you know, run transformation programs and evolve parts of our operating model through organizations like OPM and GSA. It's an amazing group of people, and everybody understands that, you know, there's a lot going on, and the and the amount of things we as a as a community have to do to support our nation is growing and evolving. And I just love the fact that there are chief innovation officers or or you know, comparable actors across all of these because i know i can pick up the phone and there's going to be somebody who's fundamentally thinking about the change in the same way i am and just the humans that are in some of those roles like beth knickerbocker at occ is awesome like she's just a wonderful human being and it's and it's just great so if someone wants to stay abreast of all of the changes and the things coming out from the fdic how should they you know make sure they're in the know related to all of these initiatives you know, it's 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 great. We actually have a social media program, so I would say LinkedIn and Twitter is the place to go. Uh, hashtag of Team FDIC or FDI Tech, if you just want to put it in your uh, in your search for for announcements and stuff like that. We've obviously got emails. We we do all the normal old school email marketing and stuff like that. I think social is probably if you're if you're wanting to kind of catch up and get the TLDRs, social is the place to go. Fantastic. So really appreciate you spending your time. Look forward to the FDIC launching an Instagram and TikTok account um, to really catch yeah, up. Not TikTok. Yeah, no, not TikTok. Maybe Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Sultan, thanks for taking the time to share with us you know, today, both you know, the vision of the future, but also the near-term things that are in flight and making a difference already. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jason. It's great talking to you. That's it for this week. If you like the show, make sure to give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform or share it with a friend or share it on social media. We'll see you again next week with more Breaking Banks.